Hello, listeners. This is the Mercy and Misery podcast. I'm Mikola Malu, founder of The Face of Mercy, a nonprofit dedicated to mental health advocacy in the church. Each episode, I'll be chatting with my co-host and friend, Dr. Mairead Bogley, a licensed psychologist and lifelong Catholic. We hope that these conversations help you navigate the mental health struggles and misery in your story, while being open to the mercy God is continually extending. This is Maraid, and if you are listening to this when it comes out, you may or may not know that it has been over five months since our last episode was published. McColl and I had to take an unintended break from this podcast due to experiencing what one might call a series of unfortunate events. From unexpected moves to month-long respiratory infections, it's been rough out here. The Mercy and Misery podcast is part of McColl's ministry, The Face of Mercy, and she has noticed that anytime she makes plans to focus on this mission, there is a ridiculous amount of unforeseen difficulties. We believe the spiritual attack is real, especially when doing anything to advance the kingdom. To that end, The Face of Mercy is recruiting a prayer team to cover the work of her mission, and by extension, this podcast, in prayer. Obviously, prayer anytime is appreciated, but if you are interested in joining the Face of Mercy prayer team, please click the link in the bio of this episode. Thank you for your support, and now, on to the episode. We're getting started. Cool. Yes. So, Advent is coming. Very soon. When is it coming? Is it is it always after Thanksgiving? I, I think so, but not. I don't think it's necessarily intentional. It's just the... Uh, it's Just four Sundays. It's four Sundays before Christmas, and Thanksgiving is always the last Thursday. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's ever a time of Thanksgiving falls during Advent. I now feel like I need to ask Google. I love that this is two lifelong Catholic people don't know when Advent starts. I think it's December second. That's my bet right now. Advent can start anywhere from November twenty seventh to December third. So it okay. could. Oh, no. It, some years, Advent will fall on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. Others, it'll be the second Sunday. Interesting. Okay. Um, so, Advent 2023, December 3rd. Oh, I was so close. I mean, it's the same Sunday. Like, whatever day you said, it's just that Sunday. That's that's true. Okay. Because that's the difficulty as it changes. And it's a really short Advent because I'm pretty sure Christmas is Monday. Oh, so. Wow. Yes. So it's really just... It's like three weeks and a day. Didn't it say that the latest it can be is December 3rd? Yes, it did. <laughs> so we are at the latest Advent and like the closest Christmas. Right, because if it was another, you would have a really long Advent mm-hmm. if Christmas fell on a Sunday. Because you'd wow. have a whole fourth week. Wild. Yes. Okay, so it's coming soon. It's coming soon, and then it'll be gone really soon. So. Yes. <laughs> so make it count. And who knows when this is actually coming out in relation to it. So, <laughs> But yeah, so not like a huge plan, but just wanted to talk about the importance of the fact that God became man. Um, yeah. The whole idea of like Emmanuel, that's a title we see once a year and then never again. Right. Talk about the whole God being with us. Um, do you have any thoughts on this? My main thought, I think... As we have been talking about how hard it is to be human right now, I feel like I've been really thinking about that. Like, 
huh, you willingly chose to come and be a human. Interesting. Wouldn't be my first move, but there you go. Yeah. Like, and that, I think something that's always struck me is that like no other religion believes that God became man. Like this idea that like gods are always so far above the humans. There's always this distance. Um, And one of the unique things about Christianity is that like God completely entered into our daily experience. Yeah. All of the, the good and the terribleness. That's why I really like thinking around this time of all the just very human daily activities, because when we're, when we're full on into the new Testament, we're getting all of the adult Jesus. He's got a mission. He's very focused on these things, but I like thinking about child Jesus. I was about to say learning how to tie his shoes, but they had sandals (laughs) learning how to tie his sandals. I guess like things that just like if someone was just fully God and that's it, they just, those sandals are tied. But yeah. no, like being fully human, having to learn how to do things, like being fully God. So you could just tap into all that knowledge and know how to do everything. But choosing to be fully human and having to learn just how to function. That's like, yeah, a crazy amount of humility to like condescend to that level of like, okay, I'm going to not know how to do stuff for a while and learn the same way that these people I created have to learn. And then they have to teach me how to do these things that they only know how to do because I made them. Yeah. Just very weird family dynamics going on in the Holy Family. (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine being the Blessed Mother or St. Joseph and being like, I have to, like, I feel like I would have performance anxiety. Like, I would be like, okay, I have to really teach this in, like, a top tier way. Like, this is my shot. Like, I am teaching God right now. This has got to be perfect. Because I would full on be like, he knows when I'm messing this up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. Like, I, I wonder often about that. Like, what, like, was this something Mary held in her head all the time? And just, like, perfectly knew as she's changing his diaper? Like, yeah. Like, I'm like, it's a very weird meditation. <laughs> it's a very weird meditation. But I'm thinking about, I think the image I have in my head is just, like, St. Joseph teaching little Jesus how to be a carpenter and him like, you know, measuring things, cutting things, doing all these things. And him just knowing that Jesus would know if he was slightly off, if he measured something wrong, if he cut it and it was the wrong size and it wasn't going to work. Like Jesus knows, but he also doesn't know. Right. I think that's the the weird part is like, I think there was like, he was fully God and fully divine, but he chose to grow as a human, which means that maybe there was this like, I don't know, a lack to be able to develop fully human. Yeah. I'm not, not at all theologian to like talk into that, but yeah. Um, but even thinking about like, there's a normal, like, I think about it a lot with children in mass. I think about like, child Jesus. And so like yeah. at All Saints Day, <laughs> there was a family real struggling in front of us. And it was delightful. Oh. So they had a four-year-old, a two-year-old and a new baby, like two months. Oh, wow. So small so small and the two-year-old spent most of mass just saying no daddy everything daddy did was wrong (laughs) very wrong and she wasn't she was emphatic but it's not like she was like yelling um and we were in an overflow room so it was also like more room for them to be themselves but yeah everything he suggested she's like no daddy no daddy no daddy (laughs) and like it's a very normal like boundary setting like learning like it's, there's no fault in it on her end and so like Jesus very much would have done these normal developmental like fits yeah like and what that must have been like to like i don't know walk with him through that and yeah. yeah 
Yeah, no. just and and also being being the people who knew versus the people who didn't know. Mm-hmm. Because like his neighbors, like just like the random people, not everybody, even family members, like extended family, they're gonna just see him as like Jesus, part of the family. But Mary yeah. and Joseph and like a few select other people are the ones who know like the weight of everything. And they yeah. get to I guess have that kind of fun secret private experience of seeing this totally human little boy growing up but also seeing this fully god person growing up and kind of knowing that the other people didn't know and wondering what that would be like and i think that's like part of the the beauty of this season for us now is that like we're getting to enter into that like basically with mary and joseph of getting to enter into what once was such secret is now ours um of like god wanted to be that close that he became a baby that he learned to do everything that we had to learn to do as children that he felt all the feelings um and i know that just very human level of life is very different because he has now lived it but there's something like something sacred like we talk about like in church like how the sacred things are set apart but in god becoming a person or a human person um but in god becoming a human there's this amount that he's like he's touched every part of life in a Mm -hmm. way that now all of that is the way we can become holy all of that is now like this really meaning rich experience because we get to we get to read about human moments and we get to then see that no this is someone who's modeling these things for us like not as a god but as someone just like us because I think, like like you said, in other religions, like, I'm sure in a lot of religions, there's this idea of, like, be like God. And how can you be more godlike? Like, this is, I guess, what God would do in this situation. But it is so far removed. It's not something that you, that's accessible for us. But Jesus is accessible. And, and one of the ones, like, coming to mind is, like, a lot of, like, the Buddhists where, like, becoming divine is also removing yourself from humanity. So yeah. like the more, cause like even like their prophet, like, okay, you're more closer to God. So then you're removed from everybody else. Right. Um, instead that like the saints are actually the most fully alive. Right. They were fully themselves with all of their quirks, with all of their experiences. Like they didn't have to turn off their emotions in order to be a saint. And like, that's a lot of like, what's different here. So thinking about the emotions, I mean, this is, that's a very leading question. Cause I want you to talk about emotions. But for you, what are some of the the moments in the New Testament where you feel like Jesus is most clearly human? That's a good question. I think the Last Supper is one I go to a lot. Oh, interesting. And because he, like, especially if you read in John, so it's like, I don't know, like three or four chapters from that night of Jesus just talking. But a lot of it, like, if, like, that idea of, like, he's saying goodbye to the yeah. people he just spent the last three years with. And so, like, it's, like, these are all the people he lived with, and he knew what they were going to experience the next day. And so he's, like, okay, here's everything I need to give you so that you will survive this, like, terrible, like, next next day, a um, couple of days. Um, and I feel like there, there's something very relatable in that, like, yeah. I don't know, maybe there's the melancholicness of it, of uh, yeah. the night before he's anticipating. And so there's so much of, like, him wanting to spend that time and draw close to them and share his heart yeah and and we don't always get that experience as humans of course because sometimes tragedy strikes sometimes things are unexpected but i think it is a very human thing 
to want to get your affairs in order before before passing away, before the end of your life, to have a will, to decide, okay, who gets what, what's going to everybody. Uh, I think it's a very common practice for people to write letters that their loved ones can read after they're gone. I think yeah. a lot of the things at the Last Supper feel like those things. Like, I want to, to give you things right now that you're going to be able to look back on when I'm gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and like even the institution of the Eucharist, I think there's so much of like, I want to stay with you. Here's how I'm staying with you, even though it's going to look tomorrow like I'm gone. And yeah, and the beauty of like, I think particularly like the meditation of like John leaning on Jesus's chest and that idea of like that, it's such a human moment. Like John's laying on on his chest, hearing his heartbeat. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like that's intimate. Like it's just this like very human connection and like such a closeness and like that idea that like that's how close God wants us to be to him. Yeah. That we are now. We also, like I remember the first time I thought about this, I was pretty young. And like at first I was like, like scandalized myself. Like this like <laughs> image pops to mind. And I'm like, wait, that's way too close. And I'm like, but that's what's written down as the account. Like this is what yeah. happened. This is an invitation for all of us of like that's how close he wants to be. Yeah. But but yeah, no, as even as you were talking about it about John laying his head on his chest. And I, when you said the word heartbeat, I think I immediately had that reaction. Like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like, you're talking about a heartbeat here. Like, that's, no, 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 he's God. But I'm yeah. like, no, okay, there was a beating heart. There were veins. There was a, like, the heart was pumping blood. Like, his skin could get warm. His skin could get cold. Like, what was it yeah. feeling like right then? Like, we can ask these questions and actually have a more visceral image of what was happening. Because yeah. we know what it's like to lay our head on someone's chest we know what it's like to be that close to someone and being able to extrapolate that and imagine that with god with jesus that's an incredible mm-hmm. thing that we get to do yeah and and i think there's something as i was like preparing for this i was reading a lot of things that it talked about like the idea that like god wanting to become man so he could have a face-to-face relationship with us yeah um like the old testament it was like if you see the face of god you'll die there was right. this, this this awe that was being taught and in the New Testament, something dramatically shifts because Jesus becomes man and now we see his face. God God is a person. And it's almost like going from a long distance relationship to to one where you get to see each other every day. And so that that shift of like, oh, there's something different. There's a different kind of intimacy you can get to. Yeah. Like part of like long distance relationships suck because we want that closeness. Right. Um, and now we get that with God, which is really cool. Yeah. And and I'm even just thinking about it right now that I'm like, okay, well, well, we don't get that because, you know, like we didn't live at that time. But even just like things started popping up for me, like I immediately started thinking of like, I never pronounce this right, the, sh- the Shroud of Turin, or is it Turin? Something like that. It's one of the pronunciations. <laughs> but I was thinking yeah. about it and I was like, wow, okay, like even for the people who weren't living there at that time, like he left an imprint so we could still see his face. Like even yeah. the people who didn't get to see his face got to see yeah. his face in a way like how yeah. no one was really left hanging except for the people who came before but like i mean who cares about them i mean and they also got brought into heaven like that right <laughs> sure. they, they they do get to see him face to face in a way that they didn't in their lifetimes but yeah but yeah i think that's also like the gift of why we have images why we have icons and stained glass windows and statues is because god became man now we can put a face to it without like 
instead of us creating something and saying, oh, this is our God, which is what they kept trying to do in the Old Testament. Um, Now we have a face where it's like, okay, we're all modeling these things after, you know, more or less accurately what God came, how how he came and appeared to us. Right. Um, How, how even though all throughout like the centuries, there have been different ways of depicting Jesus, just from different artists, different people putting their own things on it. Like Jesus was not a blonde white guy, but you know, people put their own thing. But how there are commonalities like across the board. Where you're never gonna look at something and not know it's Jesus. And I think a lot of it's based on, okay, we know that he was a man who lived thirty three years on earth. And so that seems to be the framework that yeah, that's the framework that like any church approved image is also gonna fall into of like the ethnicity is not always right, the like details, but Right. he came this way so we can depict him this way yeah but that was a good pick the the last supper i never that was i was not expecting you to say that at all but it totally <laughs> makes sense yeah yeah no there, there's something about that intimacy with with john and jesus that is like spoken to me for a long time yeah i love that how about you do you have a moment in jesus's life that you can really see his humanity and relate to it it's gotta be lazarus like 100 percent. and that's the thing i always go to as like a therapist when people are struggling with their emotions or um, I think a big fear, fear for a lot of people in general, but especially when you're really suffering through like a lot of sadness, a lot of depression, I think a lot of people come with like this fear that if they allow themselves to experience it, instead of just pushing it off, they'll get stuck there and they'll wallow it in it for a while or that, yeah, that they'll wallow in it indefinitely. And what I love about the scene with Lazarus is that Jesus takes a moment to cry, to be sad about his friend who is now dead, even though he fully knew what he was about to do like 60 seconds later. Like he knew that his friend was not going to be dead in another minute, but he allowed himself to cry and to have that very human moment of grief because sadness is one of those things that demands to be felt mm-hmm. and feeling it doesn't mean getting stuck in that yeah it means experiencing it going through it and then going from there now most of us then don't get the experience to then undo the thing that was making us sad but at the same time the fact is like even if we could undo it it's still a good thing to experience it yeah. and to allow yourself to have that human moment yeah, and it's it's I think something in Jesus expressing sadness that like that's the proper reaction. The that that proper is maybe a strong word, but but the idea that Jesus lived this life so we have a model. And so there's yeah. this amount that like he's giving us that model of like when you're sad, it's a good thing to cry. Yeah. It's a good thing to give yourself space to like really feel that. Um, yeah. And I think if we really I don't someone's probably mapped this out before I haven't, but I think if you look at all like the basic emotions, like the ones that are true across cultures, the ones that are true across time, basically the ones you would see in the Pixar movie Inside Out. Probably- Did you see that the second one's coming out? Wait, is it actually? Yeah, the trailer. Christian and I just watched the trailer before happening. No on way! This. So it's coming <laughs> June 2024. Is it still following same girls following Riley? I'm pretty sure they have a construction crew come in because puberty and anxiety was the new character, but there's others. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. But what I love about that movie is it does a really good job of um, 
like they picked on purpose like the basic emotions like the ones that everybody can relate to everybody knows and i think if you went through the new testament like you would find examples of jesus experiencing all those emotions like they're sad i mean most of them are coming up yeah because like yeah sadness we've covered pretty well yeah uh anger (laughs) flipping the tables in the temple yeah and i'm like that honestly sounds like a mix of anger and disgust as well yeah oh absolutely because um, there was like such a like horror reaction of how could you do this yeah um but he also got angry at peter right with that whole like get behind me satan right joy okay so i don't know if we have a good picture of joy like spelled out but one of the things that comes to mind is that like he and his disciples were accused of being drunkards i didn't know that or yes. I, I, I haven't heard that before okay so i was at some point I can link the scripture when I find it after this. Um, but he like, he, they were accused of like being drunkards and Jesus basically like snapped back and was like, you know, when John the Baptist came, you like complained about him and now you're complaining about us. Like mm-hmm. nobody's going to be good enough for you. basically, yeah. Which if God's not good enough for you. Right. Then, yeah. I love um, that. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah. So that idea of like, they were having such a good time. Yeah. Everyone thought they must've be drunk. And, and I even think about um, excitement and joy, uh, like when thinking about when Mary and Elizabeth were pregnant at the same time. Mm. And of course, it's John the Baptist who's one who like leaps for joy. But I mean, I, I always think of that as a very mutual reaction, like oh, the yeah. two cousins meeting and being excited to meet each other. Oh, yeah. Like that's a joy. That's an excitement. Absolutely. Um, and I imagine like those moments of healing. Yeah. Like those moments where he like, I don't know, like the man who was like lowered through the roof who like, they're just like, yeah, like go live your life now. Or the blind man who like, then they try to bring him up in court and stuff. And he's like, you know what? I'm just living my life. Like, how could he not share in that joy? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think through the basic emotions now. Let's see. We got excitement, joy, sadness, anger, um, disgust. Um, fear. Oh, the agony in the garden. Yeah. By far. Like. There's so much fear. The fact Tears that, like. blood fear. And the fact that he, like, like, you know, Jesus was God. So, like, he had this development, but he also, like, had this knowledge of why he came, what he wanted to do. He was in yeah. line with the Father. But that whatever he was feeling in his humanity at that moment was so much that he would say, maybe not this. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, let's do this differently now. <laughs> Another another example that comes to mind, though, for a child, Jesus and fear, so it's not in the scripture, um, but if you've ever seen the image of Our Lady of Perpetual Help. I can't think of it in my head right now. Okay. You should just Google it so you have it in front okay. of you as I tell yeah, you yeah. this, but we'll link it somehow um, or put it on Instagram or something. Um, but so it's an icon um, and it shows Our Lady and she's holding Jesus, but Jesus looks terrified. Um, oh. And there's a couple of angels holding the instruments of the passion. Um, and I don't know like the origin of it, but it's like a really early church image. And the idea is that like Jesus, I think it said he like tripped and fell. Oh, that's, that's definitely in, in a few, in a few films. I know they depict that. Right. So he tripped and fell, but in that moment, he almost like had like a a flash forward to the passion, um, and tripping and falling. Um, and so you know, he was not just scared in the moment as any child would be over falling because that startles them and they need their mother. But it was this like moment of Mary comforting him for what was going to happen in the future. 
Yeah, I'm seeing the image, but I'm seeing a lot of like just very chill baby Jesus. Like, hmm, interesting. Which is how so many people paint baby Jesus, which is just weird. Oh my gosh, this one is fully like a 14 year old. This is not a baby. So that's common in icons because they're trying to show that he was like God and man. Yeah. So that they, they don't show him as a baby. They show him as a little full grown man, which is odd. Yeah. So he's like, but if you see, he's looking, even if he looks calm, he's looking yeah, he's at looking. the angel holding yeah. and he's like clinging to Mary's hand with both hands. Oh, yeah. I do see that. Um, and you can see the sandal falling off. Okay. So that detail. Was yeah. Definitely... Yeah. I see that. But yeah, the idea that all of these normal emotions that we have are like just forever changed by the fact that Jesus lived a life as a human and had them all. It's just. Yeah. I don't know, something I can enter into over and over again. Yeah, um, and and I think that anybody can see him as a model in that way for emotions and can look to that when they're feeling, I don't know, shame or some some desire to avoid their emotions. But I do think it is particularly important for men to be able to look at Jesus experiencing these emotions so openly. Like, these mm. weren't behind closed doors. Yeah. Like, these were emotions that like people could see him weeping at Lazarus's tomb like his of course everyone fell asleep in the garden with him but they were supposed to stay up with him and they would have seen that fear they could well, have and they had sat to see some of it that fear they had to see some of it or else how do we have the story well that's true very <laughs> true somebody saw it yeah but yes yeah, some they even if they didn't see all of it they definitely saw him being terrified like yeah so yeah i think it's so important for men who are told in society a lot of the time to hide their emotions to see no jesus was very open with his emotions mm -hmm. like he didn't run away from them he didn't hide them they're right there for us to see yeah that's a really good point um and yeah the just the goodness that like our emotions like they're they're morally neutral is how how it's put like officially, um. But that idea that there's something good in experiencing them, there's something yeah. that is like meant for us. Um, you enjoying that in the background? I'm just seeing Genesis. Yeah, they just came in from a walk, and now she's the energy of a thousand suns because it cooled down. Oh, excellent! Yeah, yes. um, Pavlov is asleep, but she's grumbling to herself. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, she is, she is very, like, uh, I don't think she has scary dreams, but she definitely has, like, I'm pissed off dreams. <laughs> she only ever, like, she's cried in her sleep, like, maybe twice. But she oh, definitely just, like, grumbles. She's like, mm. <laughs> she's just displeased. Most of Genesis's dreams are bad dreams, I'm pretty sure, because she just cries <laughs> she a lot. so anxious. <laughs> she's so sad. <laughs> My poor baby. Yeah. I guess I'm curious if there's like any difference that it's made kind of in your journey with ups and downs in life of knowing that like God has lived a life and like kind of that it's affirmed all of your experiences kind of have this like affirmation of him also living this life. Yeah. I mean, like most of the time I think about it in terms of like the mentally and emotionally, like I go mm -hmm. to these things of like, Oh, like God experienced these too. But I think a lot lately I've been thinking more about like the physical body mm. and just thinking about like, like I'm having a stomach ache. You know who else probably had a stomach ache? Jesus. 
and and it's not that it then makes everything better but i think it is very just like it's a grounding kind of moment spiritually um to think like okay this person is very accessible and i can talk to them about my stomach ache kind of like that assumed empathy where i think just with kind of if you're thinking of like capital g god you're not you're gonna maybe assume love but you're not necessarily gonna assume empathy in the sense of like i feel what you're feeling because i understand that feeling which i mean of course god could anyway because god could do whatever but to actually know no for sure i know that jesus knows what i'm feeling right now because he experienced it because he let himself experience it and that's a really good point because like i don't think that god needed to become man to understand our experience like he made us so there's this amount of like you can get it but i think that's like we needed to see we need that yeah idea that like oh no you lived a life so now we know you know right it's a very different level of understanding whereas like he could tell us that from heaven and it just wouldn't come across the same yeah yeah what about you I think there's, there's particular meditation. So the one with John on the chest of Jesus is when I come back to when I'm really distressed. Um, Another one is like in the boat, um, like imagine the boat when Jesus was sleeping in the boat um, and the storm is raging, but instead it's like the inverse of that where I'm like, okay, I can sleep in the boat, even though life is going to shit because Jesus is there in the boat with me. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, he'll stop it at some point or he could Mm -hmm. stop it if it needs to. Like there's a... I think leaning into that trust. Um, so I think especially giving me those like concrete, like instead of God being this like far away distant and say, okay, he's easy to imagine. These yeah. are stories the same way that like we have family stories of our grandparents or like before we can remember of our own lives. Like I think the idea that the stories of Jesus become just as real. Yeah, um, absolutely. Especially with that, like, oh, I've been hearing this my whole life. Um, right. There's like kind of the same quality to them. Yeah, and so the idea of, like, being with, the idea that God can be with me, even if things aren't changing, even if it still sucks, um, that he's close to me in that. Which I think that that empathy is a huge piece of this, like, because we can sit on this for, for our own selves and what it means that Jesus is human, but also, like, what does it mean as a church mm-hmm. um, that Jesus was human and suffered with people and, like, the importance of that, of, like, okay, like, how we respond to the to the other people around us is different mm-hmm. because jesus was human right because then if we're looking at jesus as a model and thinking about what we can do in the church and as the faithful then yeah we have the we have we have like three bottles to look at because we have like the three persons of the trinity and there are different ways that that influences our practice of our faith how we are in the community how we are with just people in the world at large but i think having the model of jesus of like okay this is what it looks like to be having a very direct human encounter yeah and and how some of us like we all have our strengths and some people might operate like their role in the church might be on this more very like theoretical maybe not theoretical like theological all that like basically in like philosophy land Mm-hmm. And that's totally good. And that's more like, I would think of that as like more like God the Father kind of territory. Like, let's ponder these mysteries. But if you want to think about just like being active on an everyday level, I feel like Jesus is the model for that. Yeah. And that, yeah. And that, that level of like, okay, like there's a person crying in the pew at church. Like, how would Jesus respond? 
Yeah. Like, I don't have to just sit here and think about like, oh, what does it mean for someone to cry? Like I can yeah. go do something about it. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. Someone, someone was texting me about that experience where she was like sharing about a pain that we both have had. Um, and just texting of like, yeah, I ran into someone at church and she was like alone. So I invited her to sit with me and we, she ended up like just crying and I could like be with her because I've also suffered. Um, and so it's a kind of like a God who suffered and drew close to us, like makes that more possible for us to go, oh, like I will meet you in this place of suffering and like that place of vulnerability. Um, and then what I think is interesting too, as, as I think we both were saying that that's like, that's the great thing about Jesus's humanity, how we're able to feel that, that connection and how it makes it easier. But I also think it's really interesting that there are plenty of people I've encountered where it's almost the opposite. Not exactly the opposite. It's not like they're like, like, no, I don't understand Jesus being human, but almost like his humanity makes it harder to connect with that person of the Trinity where maybe sometimes they oh. lean more towards like uh, when they're, when they're praying, they're, they have more the image of God, the father, and they have more the Holy spirit and yes. how thinking about Jesus directly, how it doesn't sit as much with them. It's like, whoa, you're too human. I need to remove myself from that for a bit. Well, and particularly if you've been hurt by, by other humans. Yeah. Um, so there's a Catholic therapist I have a lot of respect for um, Dr. Peter Malinowski. And he talks about that of like a lot of the work of therapy as like, clearing the way um much more of john the baptist he's like you don't have to talk about jesus and sometimes he's like jesus isn't the first person to go to yeah um and he was sharing that with other catholic therapists on on a podcast and they seemed like shocked at first Mm -hmm. Um, and then he explained that like no especially if you're like a woman who has been hurt by a man like jesus can he had a man's body that makes it more difficult but there is a beauty to okay but that's we, we have a triune god three persons Jesus gave us his mother because he knew we needed her. Um, we had the saints so that you have this rich treasury of, of people who can be relatable. Yeah. Um, and if one of them isn't like that, there's an opportunity. Like I know many people who like Mary can be the entry point where it's like, okay, Mary is more approachable. And then Mary leads you to Jesus. Um, or for, for me, that's been much harder where like, nope, Jesus has always been safer. Uh, yeah. And like that, I don't know, respect for our uniqueness and respect for our wounds and therefore emotions um, that like the faith allows. And I have to be very vague talking about this because it's like a psychological (laughs) test, but there's this, I wish if I knew right off the bat what the name of, uh, or the names probably of the people who created, I would say them, but I don't remember off the top of my head, but there's this one test measure that I've had the pleasure of using called the Holy Trinity and Mary drawings and it's it's a way it's a projective technique so projective for anyone listening is um it's less like clear-cut questions like if you take if you've ever taken like a buzzfeed quiz that's what a lot of psychological tests are like (laughs) where you're like forced choice you have to pick one you get to the bottom you've answered a bunch of questions and then it'll output something about yourself um and it's pretty straightforward like maybe sometimes like you can guess what your answer is gonna be like oh if i say I love New York, then it's probably going to say that my, the Taylor Swift album I am is 1989. Like, yeah, <laughs> there are some psychological tests that are very clear cut like this. Projective tests are not like there. You can't, you can't fake them. They're basically just, there's some sort of stimulus. And the underlying assumption is that you're projecting some of yourself onto that. And so the things that come out are things that you wouldn't even know how to 
like lie or fake or anything like that because they're just coming out. And so there's this one technique that is used that is that um, the whole purpose is finding out your relationship to Mary and the different persons of the Trinity. And it's just through this technique. It's very subtle. It's it, but I've used it in the past and it's really illuminating and it's really incredible because you get to see how people can be so different in their approach to the Trinity and how that's fascinating because I think a lot of us would just automatically assume that others are like us. Like I'm like, okay, cool. (laughs) Jesus is my go-to guy. The Holy Spirit really like him. Don't quite understand him. Is he a dove? Is he not a dove? Very confusing. (laughs) And then like, Oh God, the father, like it's more kind of like, like mystical, all these other things. And I would just assume, I think I assumed a lot of my life. Okay. People probably have the same prayer life as me. They probably have the same relationship with each member of the Trinity. And then I've gotten to see things like this and be like, Oh no, everybody's experience is so different. And we get to have different experiences because we get three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that idea that like God meets us where we're at. And so yeah. like, it's not a, I think even where there's a like, would want us to grow closer, would want us to be able to have a relationship with each person of the Trinity. He's also going to be so gentle with us where we are. Yeah. Um, I actually recently took a projective along those lines. <laughs> Um, not not a drawing it was finishing statements but one of the things that came back like I was actually surprised by because he was talking about the relationship with the Holy Spirit um and it was much more distant than I expected and the Christian was looking at it and he was like well yeah but the Holy Spirit's unpredictable I was like oh yeah that makes sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't like that that sounds chaotic um and it like immediately mapped onto other wounds I'm aware of of like oh I can see exactly why that's like not a strong relationship Which is then so much better to eventually be able to work on it. Like, that's not the goal right now. But, like, even having that information is, like, oh, now I know that that's something, like, I would have to, like, sit with that part that really holds hurt about chaos and unpredictability and then go to the Holy Spirit with a, okay, like, you're still going to be you, but also, like, here's what I need. Right. Um, And, and, And so instead of that being something that just is, like, shuts you off from the Holy Spirit, it is... The more you are aware of it and process it for yourself, the more that you can take that into the relationship. Absolutely. You're chaotic. Mm -hmm. I have issues with that. (laughs) Let's discuss. (laughs) Right. And that's, and again, that's like such a human thing and a human need. And the idea that like God knowing with certainty that God wants to meet us in our humanity um, is such a gift. Um, But like, yeah, I can't imagine not having that as part of the spiritual life or like, emotional healing like I do think like the most healings available in the church because of all of this there's such a richness here that like even going to therapy becomes such a sacred experience because God also had emotions and I bet he had to talk to them with someone and like yeah it wasn't a therapist but like I bet there were moments where he like talked to his disciples and he just wasn't having it that day yeah um and just those those very human moments that we all have and we all have a need for a relationship and like God is now a part of that. Yeah. And how God is relationship. And so God understands relationship because God is relationship. Yeah. And wants relationship for us. Yeah. Like with us, but also like our relation. He wants relationship for us with, with other humans. So. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Any other thoughts? I think that's all of them. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. We should not prepare more often. <laughs> Actually, I have a quote to share in closing. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you had a quote. I have a lot of them. Um, right. But I really like this one, and I have no idea who this person is, but Jill Caratini. Um, it says, the incarnation is the only story that touches every pain, every lost hope, every ounce of our guilt, every joy that ever matters. Where other creeds fail, Christmas in essence is about coming poor and weary, guilty and famished, to the very scene in history where God reached down and touched the world by stepping into it. The great hope of the incarnation is that God comes for us. God is aware and Christ is present, having come in flesh, and it changes everything. I love that. I think that's something as someone who's struggled a lot with holidays um, and a lot of not being happy on holidays. Um, there's something in the more diving into the spiritual reality of like what what they're actually about. There's much more room for a mixed experience. Like Christmas yeah. can be joyful, but also that coming completely weary, coming completely right. in need is like exactly why we even have Christmas. Is it, oh man, who, who am I thinking of? It's, there is a, I don't know if it's 30 days. How many, I don't remember how many days it is. It's a novena that starts after Thanksgiving. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's St. Andrew. St. Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. How many days? Is that a month? Um, I think it's just shy of a month. I think his feast day might be the 30th of November. Okay. What I always really loved about that one is um i don't remember i i always rememorize it every year and i'll i'll memorize it instantly the first time i read it but it's like i I think it's like riding a bike where i have to see it and then i'm gonna know it immediately but right now completely has left my head since last advent but i do always remember there is a line in there about like um piercing cold Mm-hmm. where it's really it's a reflection on like what was the night of jesus's birth like and the word piercing cold is always the one that really hits me and that's why it's the only word i remember uh <laughs> from the whole prayer it, besides saying it like over a thousand times i would assume so for me it's just always like that idea of like it was like a freezing cold night like the worst kind of cold that piercing cold the cold that gets into your bones and how that automatically speaks to the humanity of it like you picture like mary and joseph freezing cold you picture jesus coming into the world little baby freezing cold yeah and yeah and i think the other thing about it talking about those mixed emotional experiences i'm just like that's a pretty miserable night like, yeah, the joy of Jesus' birth, absolutely. But, it, like, not finding a a place to safely and uh, comfortably give birth. Being in a, a stable. It's freezing cold. There's just this, how even Jesus' birth night, birthday, was such a mixed emotional experience. That's true. Yeah. That's really freezing cold. Imagine giving birth in the freezing cold. (laughs) In a stable where it smells. (laughs) There are cows watching. No privacy. (laughs) Yeah. That's all I got. Okay. We have to work on these endings. I don't know. Endings. (laughs) Well, now, like, as I'm ending, all I can, my brain is just, like, sticking on, 
the word incarnation, I just keep thinking carne, and I just keep thinking carne asada, and it's making me very hungry. <laughs> okay. So that is my ending. I'm very hungry now. I mean, I'm pretty sure that incarnation like comes from the word for meat. Yeah, because like, carne. To be made, to be made meat. To be yeah. made meat. <laughs> which, which then when you think about carnival, carnival is meat festival. Yes, which I think actually comes from carnival started when people gave up meat for Lent. Is that so, really why? I'm pretty sure because like last Lent as we were in the Eastern Church and like they have a whole mm-hmm. goodbye to meat week and a goodbye to cheese week before they give them up for Lent. <laughs> um, I love that. And so the idea that carnival was a party where you used up your meat. <laughs> <laughs> goodbye to meat week. Yes. <laughs> I am obsessed with this. It's really fun. Um, that's just one of the greatest <laughs> things I've ever. Heard. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They like. Yep. So anyway, I think carnival comes from that when that was done throughout the whole church before wow. traditions changed. That makes a lot of sense. I always just thought that maybe past carnivals, there were more meat stalls. And I was like, I've probably, I don't think I've ever eaten meat at a carnival. So I was like, that's, I've eat, I eat funnel cakes. No, meat I feel like, enough. but meat is not so much of a luxury anymore. Like it's such a daily part of our diet where like, I feel like sweets have taken over. Whereas like they had even less sweets, but it was like meat yeah. was the big celebratory thing. Right. Well, and that's why I always feel so guilty well, not really. I mean, I've like, I, I don't allow myself to like be overwhelmed with guilt, but I feel like a tinge of like, hmm, I'm being sneaky right now every Friday in Lent when I'm not eating meat, but instead I'm eating seafood because now the tides have totally turned. Like seafood is the luxury. Yeah. So growing up, that would be the time when my, my family would have shrimp and I love shrimp and I'm from Maryland. So it's like old bay, there are crabs. It's like a whole almost religious experience (laughs) and so for me I always am like I feel like I'm cheating this Lent thing because Fridays are my favorite day (laughs) I can have meat any day (laughs) that's all I got ending on on the meat note (laughs) okay